Welcome to Product Leaders, a podcast series by Audis. I'm Ben Molson, your host. Through the episodes, I'll be speaking to a variety of product people across a broad range of topics, all under the wing of product leadership. My hope is that these will be insightful sessions for the product community and alike to inspire product people starting out and to help peers in their everyday product challenges. So sit back, listen along, and if you like the content, give it a follow, like, share, comment. I hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by Jane Austen, formerly the Chief Product Officer at Juniver. Juniver is an early stage startup that operates in the health tech space. Originally from a design background, Jane has worked for some highly reputable global tech companies and has worked mainly in the leadership capacity over the last decade, spanning roles in both product design and product management. In this session, we'll be discussing the connection between design and products, Jane's journey in both disciplines, and some career advice for designers wanting to move into product. Well, Jane, welcome and great to be recording with you today. How are you in South London? Not too, not too nice weather. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not. Too, it's certainly warmer than Scotland, so that's good. <laughs> that's good. Well, look, I'm really looking forward to sort of diving into all things product with you. I guess first, it'd just be great to give our listeners a quick snapshot of Jane Austen, the uh, the product leader. Um, okay. So, who are you, and what sort of product leader are you? I started out as a designer, actually, and I became a very senior designer. And then I kind of drifted into product because I think I'm probably not as creative as amazing designers, but I really love the business aspect. I really love the strategy. I really love thinking about user value and business value. So I did an MBA and I started picking up more product work and then gradually became fully product. Most recently, I was CPO at an amazing startup called Juniper, which is to support people with eating disorders. Brilliant. That's that's great. Yeah, we obviously met for coffee the other week, which was great to meet you in person. And you've obviously done some amazing things through your career. And I think I really gathered from our meeting your kind of dexterity across a product leadership, different types of companies and maybe different types of challenges that you've come across through your career. So really great to have you on the podcast. Really excited to be doing this. And I think just to sort of start things off, obviously, as I mentioned, you've worked at some pretty cool product companies in a leadership capacity. I mean, I'm keen to explore some of your sort of war stories on that front. But then equally, you mentioned your interesting backgrounds of straddling products and design. So I'm keen to talk a little bit about that as well. From my perspective as a product recruiter, I'm really privileged to speak to lots of different people who work for different companies. And it, it gives me a deep understanding of product teams and how they operate. And I guess what ultimately makes them sometimes more successful than others. You no doubt have got the same sort of experience, but more hands-on and like a first-hand perspective of different product cultures and ways mm-hmm. of working, that sort of stuff. So just as an opener, really keen to understand what you think are the traits of a highly successful product team, in your opinion. I think one of the key things is how that team is structured and who makes decisions. When I've seen it work really well is you've got a designer, a product person and a tech lead collaborating really closely. And I think that's why some designers move into product because they're exposed to like really great product people and that way of working and they find it really interesting. So I think that's a great product person Make sure everyone really understands the context that they're working in, that they have a shared vision and goal and everybody really understands what they're driving towards. But I mentioned there that there's that kind of very collaborative three-legged stool, but that's still, that can be problematic if people aren't really clear what they're doing and you don't have clear rules and responsibilities. Responsibility. So even though there's that incredibly tight 
collaboration. It still has to be clear who owns what, how decisions are made, who's responsible for what. But again, I think that enables amazing cross-functional teams. So if you've got these different perspectives, you've got thinking about the customer, the business, the tech feasibility, and that great decision sort of sits in the middle of all of this. So if you just have a team that's very tech-led or very user-led or very business-led, you don't end up with that great product. It's understanding each discipline, each different sort of view of the world and how they come together to make those decisions. So you do that by joint problem solving, joint decision making, and then really understanding what the customer needs and then putting that business layer on top. I like to think about it as you build value for the business by building value for the customer. So one of the questions I was going to ask in there as well is just in terms of you know, you talk about that kind of collaboration between the three. Um, you've obviously worked with some different businesses where maybe you've come in at different kind of maturity levels. Is that something that grows organically in a company, do you think? Or, or is that something that maybe the leadership needs to kind of put in place to help that to yeah. team more successful? I think it has to start with the leadership. So either the leadership hires a very senior product person or it's a a digital transformation. But I think you need that senior cover and senior direction. And maybe it's not even a product leader, it's a a tech person, but they understand the importance of product. You need that to enable the teams because if the teams are doing this great work and great decision making, and then you have a senior person coming in and just like blowing up the roadmap or saying, no, we're not working on this or we're doing it because I say, then it doesn't matter how great the team is if the environment isn't right. So you need a combination of context and environment for great product work to happen. Yeah, that's interesting. So actually a conversation I've had recently, we've talked a lot about the process needing to be in place and also that tying in very closely with with leadership as well. Do you think culture plays a part in that as well? Because you've obviously got to have people who are willing to collaborate like that. Yes. Um, And how do you think that's driven again? Do you think that's a leadership thing that is kind of top down? Do you think that has to come from the the bottom up or just the actual like organic sort of growth within the teams? I think it has to be designed. Culture has to be designed. And I've seen that as a with my design hat on. Uh, One of the things I like to do when I come into a company and I can't remember the name of the the book but there's a book called the culture map and it's not about like different cultures it's about organizational cultures i'll find it and let you know the uh, later what it's called but there's a series of questions and i've got an excel file all about this you ask these questions and they describe where the culture is right now and where the culture they want to get to so these these two sort of sets of questions and then you map it so the map is like is the culture it's on two axes Is the culture very top down or does it encourage autonomy? Is the culture very internal focused or very external focused? And then you can see you actually have a diagram of where the culture is. And so often if you're doing a digital transformation, and I've been part of several digital transformations, you'll often see that the company is very hierarchical and very internally focused and very bureaucratic. And they know they want to change. That's why they're doing a digital transformation. Maybe they're struggling to ship or they've lost sight of the customers or maybe there's like something's broken. And you can see this very clearly that this is where they are, hierarchical and bureaucratic. And what they want to get to is much more focusing on the externals, the customers, the market and allowing a bit more autonomy and decision making and speed. And once you've got that sort of mapped out or at least expressed, you're able to then start designing the culture. So that could be things like employee of the week or awarding or celebrating people who are a bit more autonomous or changing the way that performance reviews are done or modelling different ways of working 
or um, having an exemplar team that works in a particular way and talk, getting them to talk about how it works. But it doesn't just happen. You need to create the conditions for this culture to work, but the people involved also have to want to make it work. So I think leadership creates the conditions and the team are what makes it happen. Sure, yeah. So it's very much that kind of, you put it in place, you can put a structure in place, but then you've got to have people willing to do it and, and I suppose that's maybe where hiring the right people comes in. Yes <laughs> totally exactly I often say you hire for attitude or for, you know um, possibility as much as what people have done so if you're hiring people you can see they've you know they're collaborative and open and very data informed very customer focused but also think about the business and very happy to do sort of iteration and experiment have an experimental mindset so that means you try lots of different things and it's okay to fail, but you fail in pursuit of trying to learn. So that's a particular way of working and a particular mindset that people have. And when you're interviewing people, when you're hiring, looking for that mindset as much as the experience that people have had, that's how you build a really good team, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think hiring for attitude is certainly something that I see probably more so in like, the early stage or like the scale-up kind of world. You hire one person in a, say, 20-person company, that person has a bigger effect on you know, the wider culture, don't they, you know, versus one in a thousand or something like that. So I always yeah. find that culture and attitude is always important, no matter what hire it is. You need to have that kind of emotional intelligence, but then equally in some of your experience in that early stage world and trying to build that product coach specifically it is very important i just wanted to pick up on something you said there is emotional yeah. intelligence that's Again. you're absolutely right yeah i think having that emotional intelligence to be able to give feedback or to be able to disagree and commit or to be able to have really good conversations where you're not on the same page and then get on the same page so that's what enables great decision making because great decisions are what drives great products so i think if you've got the emotional intelligence to operate in a bit of uncertainty to provide your own context to be able to have these debates with people and not take it personally and come to a really great conclusion which you wouldn't have been able to come to alone i think that's what drives great products and so emotional intelligence you're absolutely right is a key part of this sure you mentioned earlier maybe your kind of design hat on i guess just for the listeners some context you obviously worked in kind of leadership roles for quite a few different companies straddling both products and design so i'm just keen to explore maybe the differences between product design and product management. I think that you're obviously someone who's worked across both, you know, an expert in the space, someone who can understand that well and and, and understand how the, the two are kind of connected and intertwined. So tell me, how do you kind of differentiate the two yeah. roles? I think sometimes they do blur and a good product person needs to understand the design and the good designer needs to understand a bit more of the business context. But uh, product design, of course, by its nature, is all about actually designing. You know, it's about the interface, it's about the user experience, it's about the look and feel, but maybe it's a service design, you know, mapping out the customer journeys. And products more about how this experience is going to exist in the world. It's about what features need to be built, like prioritisation, thinking about the business goals. But in saying that, a designer really needs to understand the business goals and the context too. Product management provides that context. And then you do see worlds where product managers do research, although that's usually a design discipline or it's part of the design team. So that's interesting as well. So product management does market research often, as well as the user research. Designers do the user research, a bit of market research. But product design, again, it's all about actually creating the thing. It's being about creative. And product management is about sort of definition, prioritizing, making sure things are actually happening. 
you don't really see product managers getting into Figma and nor should you. I think it's really important, even if a product manager has been a designer, that you have to sort of understand where the limits of your role are. And it's not going into like Figma. It's not defining the experience. It's sort of creating the space for that work to happen. Product management's often doing a lot more of the sort of strategy, thinking about analytics, about thinking about the managing up and out in the business. But again, a good designer does this too, you know, so this is where sometimes the role blurs because a, a good designer needs to understand how people are using the product. So they might be in the analytics too. They might be needing to understand the business so they understand like the context that they're designing in. And then I think the product design is about serving the user. And product management is about sort of aligning that with the business. So once again, though, I think designers do need to understand what they're working on makes money and as well as the context of use. So you see, I think there's quite a, like a, a lot of crossover, but product is more towards the strategy, the business, the sort of value creation. And product design is more about the user the context of use, the creativity, and defining what the product looks like and how it operates. Just the point you made, you sort of suggested that there's a point at which there should be that kind of gap between product design and product management. You mentioned about maybe not doing the design in Figma or not being necessarily yeah. hands-on. Do you think that there's a point in a, you know, maybe like a startup where, you know, often people need to wear multiple hats and, you know, need to get their hands dirty. And do you think that's okay? Or, you know, yeah, I do actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do actually. And this is why I think it gets really, really blurry. You know, if you start to unpack, like, the difference between a product manager and a product designer, say in a startup, well, actually, it could be a similar person. You could have that unicorn who could do visual design but gets the business and understands the sort of complexities of commerce and is perhaps more data-led. Or you might have a product manager who's not that creative but still would be able to do wireframes to express what they need. And I think that's the thing about startups and scale-ups. People are more like a Swiss army knife. People would do wear multiple hats and do multiple things. And in larger organisations, you you might have more clear boundaries between what the, the different disciplines are. You tend to have much more clear boundaries. But there's like a Venn diagram rather than a clear line between the disciplines. You have a Venn diagram where it sort of crosses over and bleeds into each other. And that's why you need to have great communication. You have to be able to agree where the, those boundaries are but you might also see an engineer doing a design I've worked with engineers that do some design in the past I used to do sort of basic coding and prototyping so there's the and also you expect an engineer a really good engineer would have just under business context and interestingly Airbnb they do not have product managers anymore it's the, just the designers and the engineers who are making these decisions and they don't need product which I think is entirely true and instead they've got sort of product marketers but that's maybe product under a different name it's a huge debate so I think there isn't a clear-cut answer here at all I think it depends on the context, the stage of the organisation, the maturity, who's in the team, what the skill sets are, what people are working on. The more of a mature an organisation, the larger it is, you'll see probably much more clarity between the roles. But I've been in startups where people wear multiple hats and I think that's OK too, as long as you're not sort of presenting yourself as some kind of genius that doesn't need to like take anything else's thoughts on board and doesn't need to validate it and doesn't need to do research. That's the problem. I think wearing multiple hats isn't. I think this is a good opportunity just to ask a question I actually had for later as well. Obviously, you've touched upon trying to keep maybe product design and product management separate. Or, you know, there's a point at which maybe the product manager doesn't touch upon, you know, Figma or you know, whatever it is, those sorts of more hands-on pieces. And, and yes, as you've said, there's uh, exceptions to that depending on sort of the environment. As someone who's been there and done it, how does that mirror in the leadership role? Because obviously you've done roles which have straddled both 
product management and design, but at a leadership level, do you think there's a point at which you are not so design or not so product? Well, I think the way that most companies are structured is that you have a CPO and design reports into the product team. I used to think, why is this? Why does design not have a seat at the table? And you'll, you'll hear loads of designers say, why does design not have a seat at the table? But then I realised that actually a lot of the stuff about having the seat at the table wasn't really about design. It was about business context and convincing people to do things and about budgets and things which were enabling design. It wasn't really about the design. I mean, I know it's still really frustrating that there isn't sort of chief design officers everywhere, but I think if you get a really good chief product officer, then that's absolutely fine. I think probably my biggest inspiration was my old boss, Chad, who was an ex-designer who became CPO of Moo. And he was fantastic. He was fantastic at being able to straddle that world of design and product and make sure that design had the space to operate and the context to operate and had the clarity and the structure but then would take away like lots of the stress of things like, you know, debating about what exactly was going to go on the roadmap when, what needed to be done. So he provided that top cover and the ability to do great design work and the time and the space to make the great design work happen. Product does have that seat at the top table, but it's really important for a product to really understand design and research and the customer and how to enable great customer experiences. The reason I think this is really important is you might hear a lot about product-led growth Product-led growth is this concept that the product is you know, somehow selling itself. It's uh, such a great experience that people are recommending it and using it. For that, you need two things. You need to be solving a problem. It needs to be a business there. It needs to be something where you're going to make money. But secondly, you need to be solving it really, really well. And that's where design comes in. So design unlocks product-led growth. It unlocks word of mouth. It unlocks like, customers' retention. I think it's really important that product appreciates design and gives it the space to to excel because that's how you unlock product-led growth as well. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. The bit you said about your product having a seat at the top table, but actually in, in a way, if you come from a design background, it also means that design is elevated a little bit as well, more so perhaps than in other organisations where the most senior product leader doesn't have that sort of design background. So that's, yeah. that's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, or they, they don't necessarily have, need to have a design background, you know, because that's really unusual. But yeah. I think to be able to understand and appreciate and talk design and see what design can unlock and treat design as a really important and effective partner. And I've seen it go wrong is somebody from product who has never managed design before or doesn't really know design and perhaps doesn't take the time to get to know what design can do for the business and sees it as colouring in, something you bring at the end to make things look pretty. I remember one person sort of talking to me about design. It was a senior product leader a few years ago and he's like, oh yeah, design's where the magic happens. I'm just so impressed with all these, these designers who are doing all this creative magic and I was like but it's it's not creative magic it's it's actually a business discipline we're not just going into a room and painting a picture this is a proper rigorous business discipline that we're doing we're doing it to build a business we're not doing it just for the hell of it it's important for product people to get the best out of design to actually understand what designers do why they're important and the value they can add. That's great. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen a little bit of a debate on LinkedIn about the CTPO role, the Chief Technology and yeah. Product Officer role. Perhaps we're not quite ready for a Chief Design and Product Officer yes, um, yeah. role yet. But I think the, the debate was about whether you can really have someone who is straddling both technology and I suppose ultimately engineering and product at the C-suite level. Uh, it wasn't necessarily whether they got the right skill sets to do. It. it was more, have you actually got time to give 
both yeah. disciplines your your kind of full attention I guess what, what do you think about that from a product versus design perspective as, as a product leader do you think that you have the ability to give your time to both disciplines I'm going to do one of those annoying answers which is it, it depends you know it depends the scale and the size of the organization and the maturity and what the organization is doing I think in various sort of tech organizations then you might want a CPTO because you've got somebody who really understands the technology, what it can unlock and can make decisions based on that. But in different organisations like Chad at Moo, you know, having a design background because Moo is differentiates on design, that made perfect sense. Again, I can't really give a clear answer. I think it, it depends. But what I do think is in most organisations, the way most product teams work effectively is you have design, product, tech, working together in that triad and making decisions together. If you have a CPTO who's got a very tech background and is coming from a very tech place and you're in an organisation where you might want to unlock product-led growth, that might not work unless it's somebody who's invested time in understanding design and experience can unlock. So it depends. You get amazing people who can do it all. But if you've got the centre of gravity really towards tech rather than being balanced with experience you might be missing opportunities in the business yeah and I think in terms of your answer maybe not being you know sort of black and white I think that that was kind of my conclusion on that debate too which was ultimately it depends on the size of organization and sometimes it goes back to that kind of Swiss army knife type of employee doesn't it that if you're a smaller organization maybe you don't have the investment to hire both a CCO and a CPO and therefore it's better to to hire someone who can do both and there's brilliant people out there who can do both absolutely um, CPOs tend to I think they've got one of the shortest or possibly the shortest duration out of any C-suite roles and often they're brought in to do something quite specific so if it's a digital transformation where you're replatforming and the growth isn't going to be unlocked by significant change or significant redesign but it's about platforming and efficiencies and tech enablement then it makes perfect sense to have a CPTO there so I think it depends what the organization's doing as well the world is complex you know you get all these influencers that give these sort of clear answers now that people like certainty but I don't know but it's the world doesn't work like that so I think it just it depends on the context and what the organization needs to do how the organization makes money and how it's going to scale and grow so yeah it depends is the answer yeah that's with, with many things in life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we've probably somewhat answered the next question I had, but I think it'd be great just to sort of maybe wrap up on this a little bit, which is just around, you know, we've obviously found that there's this deep connection between the two roles, product design and product management. Why do you think it is such a natural progression? I think it sort of depends on the individual as well. I think it was a natural progression for me because I found the business aspect really, really interesting. And I, I did an MBA and doubled down on that. And the MBA specialism was product. So that's how I sort of made that move. But the reason I think it felt like a natural progression for me and for those designers who move into product, there are lots of common skill sets. I mean, one is understanding the user, understanding the customer. You'll hear sort of product described as being the voice of the customer or the, you know, owning the customer. But designers would say that they do this too because they have that deep empathy with the customer. But the other thing as well is that product has to really often navigate a very complex organisation or they might be handling change. And if you've been a designer, You've often done UX research to understand the context of use of what you're building. But if you can apply those skills internally and use your sort of UX research and empathy skills to understand who you're working beside in the organisation, it's a bit of a superpower. You're able to like storytell or convince people based on what's important to them. So I think that persuasive power based on empathy is a, a skill that designers are able to draw on. Obviously, both is about problem solving skills as well. You know, if you're a designer, you're looking at what problems customers have and you think about how to solve them as something else that could be 
applied to the business? Like, what are the problems that the business wants to solve? How do they want to unlock it? As you become senior as a designer, you do a lot of strategic thinking, and that's a really transferable skill as well. You're thinking about what you should build and why. So rather than just being focused about execution, you think further upstream and think about the why that you're building the strategy. If you've been in a really good product team as well, you'll have learned great collaboration skills. You've probably learned from a fantastic product manager. So you can apply this set of skills as well. You'll have worked with great engineers. You should have tech knowledge too. You understand how your product's been built. And if you're a senior designer, you probably manage people too. Then you're also able to create product visions. Used to be designers would create the vision and now it's called product visions. But I think that's actually a really applicable skill. Things that might be missing is the business, you know, the business aspect. But that's something that I think people can learn. They can spend time understanding business, understanding how to read balance sheets, how the business makes money. So it may be a skill that's somewhat lacking in designers, but it's a skill that you can spend time to explore. People can start now by just understanding like, how their business operates, where the money is made, how growth is unlocked. And actually that will probably make you a better designer as well because you know how to focus on things that are going to unlock growth for the business as well as be great for the customer. I think there's so many good points. I just wonder, do you think that bit about maybe lacking the kind of business acumen, I suppose you'd probably call it, is that the number one thing that maybe stops people from moving into product? I think people like frightened of moving into product management role. No, it's probably not the number one thing that stops people. It's just maybe people just don't want to. People love being a designer and being a designer is a, a really wonderful job. You know, it's really satisfying. It's really creative. You're working in teams, building things. You're understanding the customer all the time. So a lot of people just don't want it. The reason I liked it is that I started to find the business aspect, the sort of strategic leadership aspect, really, really interesting. And thinking about how businesses are built, how they make money, how they grow, that became such an interest and passion to me that I really enjoyed moving into product because it gives you the ability to influence in these areas and to have these kind of conversations. But I think it's desire rather than anything because so many skills are transferable and the bits that aren't learnable by the being mentored or by doing a course or actually trying to step up and maybe volunteer for some of these product roles, product jobs. There are ways to gain this experience and knowledge and it's not insurmountable at all. So I think it's possibly the desire people want to be a designer because it's a fabulous job yeah i guess it's the same as maybe like software engineers who move yeah. into into products you know some people exactly. just love coding don't they and then yeah and i suppose some people never become tech leads or engineering managers because they love just being purely hands-on absolutely and, and don't yeah. want to get away from it yeah no fair enough that's a good good point yeah, you made a great point there ben because it's not very controversial for a software person to move into product it's you know it's a kind of established career path you see this a lot and i think that's great and i think for different organizations or different types of roles it shouldn't be particularly controversial for a designer to move into product because if for the same reasons that a software engineer you know might be working in, uh, with product managers might sort of find the business aspect and the strategy really interesting and because they've got the technical knowledge that that gives them a sort of an added bit of their swiss army knife so in a different context a different type of role someone coming in from a design background i think could make a really great product manager if that's the path they wanted to go on for sure and actually that's maybe think about people's sort of path into product you know, i suppose the other day about my split between b2c and b2b product recruitment and i mm-hmm. i guess my perspective it feels as though design is heavier on the b2c side there's obviously designers in the b2b world as well and when i say b2b i'm thinking more like b2b like SaaS companies yes, and yes. technology companies i more often see people working in you know, b2b SaaS businesses who come from a more technical background maybe a software engineering background rather than the design background would you agree or? i think b2c is a really easy journey for a designer to move into product 
really, really easy because it's about building things for customers, for consumers, for humans. You've been doing this all along and then you're sort of like adding some skill sets to what you already have. It's a really easy journey. B2B SaaS is more difficult. And the reason is because the user is not your customer and you're selling to people or the business is selling to big organizations, which means that you might need to build something that the customer doesn't actually want. Or it may be that you have to sell something because it's easier to build. So there's lots more kind of complexity and technical thinking and business thinking. It's not just about the end user. And I think that's why it's a harder journey. It's not impossible, particularly if you're coming in as a product person. I think that does make sense because you don't have to deal with all of this complexity. You've got senior leadership to help you. But you as a designer can unlock that product-led growth by creating a great experience. That's that word of mouth that maybe makes people more efficient because you've understood what tasks they have to do and you've made them easier. So there is a path in there, which I think is building something that really satisfies the end user by satisfying the user. You're able to create something that's easier to sell. You're able to create something that saves more time, which is easier to sell. You're able to create something that sells by word of mouth. So product-led growth is this sort of like a Trojan horse of designers to get into B2B SaaS, but probably not at a senior level uh, initially, but definitely I think it, to be in a team as a product manager, it would work. That certainly makes sense. I think that was kind of how I had it in my mind. So <laughs> that's good, good yeah. to hear. Um, I think that brings us on nicely to what I was going to ask next was just sort of like top tips for someone who's maybe a designer right now is interesting in, to move into product management, what should they be looking at? I think you know, yeah. I guess maybe if someone's currently doing design in a B2C world, but mm-hmm. would like to be in a B2B SaaS world. I think that's quite a difficult transition. I'm not yes. suggesting that someone should do that straight away, maybe to be a no. product manager and then move and move yeah. across. What are your top tips for, for those sorts of people listening? I think the first of all is like understand what product manager does and why you want to make that transition. So really, really investigate the role, really understand what is the difference between a product manager and a product designer. As I've said, it's fuzzy and nebulous. But, you know, it's important for you to be able to understand and articulate the differences and then have them clear in your own head and then develop your broader skill set. So that could be understanding more about tech, understanding more about business, about the sales process. If that's B2B SaaS, that's really important as well. So really understanding what happens outside of design so that you'll be able to really fluent in that and then build on your communication and your leadership skills. And that's where I mentioned the superpower of the designers is that sort of user research and empathy and apply that internally and understand what do the different departments do, what's important to them, because they're actually part of your wider product team. Sales, marketing, theirs are all inputs into the product and they're part of your decision-making team. So it's important to spend time understanding them and you know how they operate. That helps you become a better product manager. And there's lots and lots of product management frameworks out there. So that's really handy because a lot of these problems have been solved. Now, I'm not saying you just apply a framework mindlessly, but there are tools that you can have in your toolbox to help you become a product manager. It's really useful to know these sort of decision-making frameworks and not to follow them blindly, but they're like a toolbox that help you become a better product manager. So spend some time researching all these different frameworks and prioritization frameworks, but there are a hell of a lot of product manager sort of influencers out there. Be kind of careful about who you pick and choose. And there are some great courses out there. Jason Knight and Ed Bidden both run some really good courses and there's some really good mentoring out there. So go 
and get some extra knowledge, spend some time investing in yourself. And then as part of that, there's some great meetup groups, product groups, networking groups. So go out and network and talk to product managers, understand what their role is like, understand how they got their job and what their trajectory is. And that's also how you might find your next job too. The networking is really important. Find a mentor perhaps from that network, or maybe you can do some mentor exchange. So maybe it's someone from a tech product management background who wants to know more about design. But I think that mentoring is really, really important. If you're applying for jobs, think about what skills you have that are transferable. So I've mentioned the transferable skills. Make a list of them and think about examples about how these can be transferred. Maybe build a portfolio showing that this is my design work, but actually I used some product management skills here too. This is the impact. Think about like impact and measurement frameworks and how you would use that to describe yourself as well as just they're really important things to know. As I said, I did an MBA, but that's not really needed. There's lots and lots of courses and short courses out there, but it's definitely worth doing, not least because it just gives you confidence in yourself. And it gives you the language to be able to like go and talk to the rest of the people you work beside and then just start applying. The right kind of company would be really excited to hear from somebody making that transition. And then when you're going for the interviews, you know, if you're thinking about your transferable skills, think about how you can showcase them, tell stories about that, you know, I've done this as a product designer, but actually this part of it was product management and this happened. Think about what you've done can be described as an evolution into product management. I think that's really important as well. But I think it's a great career path. I think it's very doable. I think in the right organisation, a designer term product manager would unlock huge amounts of growth, would be really impactful. So you just have to make sure that you've got the right company at the right stage of maturity and with the right support around you and you'd be an amazing product manager. Great tips. I think I'd add as well, just sometimes you have to take a step back to go forward as well. You know, maybe yes. thinking about, you know, maybe like not necessarily money, but you know, like the level that you come in at, that sort of thing. Yes. I think it is quite difficult to break into product management sometimes by moving company. So maybe kind of look internally first could be a good stepping stone. Trying to apply to a you know, a junior PM role or a mid PM role is quite a challenge given, particularly in the current market as well. Yes, you know, if, yes. if, you, if you're you're up against other people who've already got product experience, it, you know, rather than product management experience, it does make life slightly trickier. But yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. That's <laughs> yeah. a great point. I think about taking a step back. I've done it. I, mean, I think if you find product management is your passion, it's, it's okay to take a step back because that will like unlock a future that you're really excited about. So I think that's fantastic. Recruiters or hiring managers might not quite see the advantage of it. So so sort of storytelling, mentoring, being able to describe what you've done through that product management lens is really important. And yeah, networking, finding jobs internally or through networking, I think, is the way forward. Brilliant. No, that's great. Just before we wrap up, I'm just keen to ask you a couple of like fun questions that I, I do at the <laughs> end of these sessions. The first one is just, uh, who is the most influential product leader you've worked with in your career and, and why? So it'd have to be Chad. Chad was my boss at Moo and at Babylon, and he was the person that inspired me. I saw a designer moving into product and how his combined skill set was so impactful and as well he was just a wonderful leader really calm just an all-round lovely person and he was great at building that culture as well so he's been such an inspiration to me and I really enjoy sort of following in his footsteps obviously I would never be as great as Chad but it's great to see someone that's done it before he's been really inspirational he's just yeah, top bloke brilliant I think that touches upon quite nicely what we've just spoken about moving from design yeah. to product and following someone or yeah, that sort of mentorship piece that yeah. you mentioned and I guess if you could go back and time and beat yourself in the past when you set out as a product designer or you know a product manager what would that one nugget of advice be it's actually more when i started being a manager when the member of the team was absolutely dreadful 
And yeah, he was just, oh, he was just lazy, didn't do work, kept letting other team members down, just like quite an unpleasant person. And I spent ages trying to get him to like me because I kind of wanted to sort of manage him and make him better. And then I woke up one day and I thought, hang on a minute, I don't like him. So it doesn't matter if he likes me. And it was like a light bulb moment that I didn't have to have people liking me. I could make sort of decisions. He was just letting everybody down. So I was able to deal with that because I let go of that feeling of needing to be liked. So I know it's not very specifically around product or product management or design, but I think that step of maturity that when you manage people, it's not about being a friend or being liked. It's about being respected and being able to have that distance and that emotional distance too. The podcast is under product leaders theme, so it's useful for counterparts or you know, colleagues or people in this world to, to hear that kind of advice yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think, that, again, when younger, I used to feel quite emotional about things. If something went wrong, I'd blame myself. I'd feel really awful. And then now I'm able to say, well, that's the job and this is me and they're two separate things. It's not that I don't care. I just don't get as burnt out and as emotional. So I think having that distance between you and the job, you and the people you're managing, you still care, but you're not sort of taking it all so personally. That way you don't get burnt out. You're able to make better decisions. And I think it's just part of growing up, perhaps. Yeah, I think it definitely is. Isn't it? I think that getting used to that corporate world or not necessarily yeah. corporate, you know, the, real, yeah. <laughs> the real working world. Yeah. yeah, there's one thing that you obviously experience experienced product leader but what else could you learn what's the number one thing that you still think that you have to learn I'd like to build my tech knowledge you know I used to call God that was many years ago but I think I'd like to spend a bit more time getting much more fluent with that I'm trying to launch a, my own sort of little AI chatbot and actually really enjoying spending time building my tech knowledge I think that it's you know always in technology you've got to to keep up with the times yeah. somewhat haven't you even if it's not necessarily hands-on but just you know, researching it staying tapped into that world cool well look thanks very much for joining me today Jane it's been brilliant just like delving into product and design world and I think on a personal note for me I don't do a lot of or not really any design recruitment but obviously I've learned <laughs> that they're much more interconnected than I ever thought so you know, perhaps it's a space that I might break into or at least it's a space yeah. I have a bit more a yeah. bit more knowledge in but then you know equally away from me you know I'm sure it's really useful for, for the audience and the listeners just to understand more so and any designers out there wanting to move into product management it's, it's really useful and, and particularly at leadership level I think yeah, it's obviously slightly hard to come by someone who's a straddle with both so yeah it's been a real pleasure and, and thanks very much for giving me your time it's a pleasure and I, I was actually just talking to someone in America this morning about this and they were saying it's becoming increasingly common in America so <laughs> we hopefully we'll see it becoming increasingly common over here because we're a little bit behind America in terms of tech and culture uh, so hopefully we'll see it as a, be a bit more established career path in the UK and I definitely know there's lots of designers who've spoken to me and are really interested in taking this career path so it would be great to see this as something that's a bit more you know happening more often and people have this opportunity to make the progression if, if that's what they'd like absolutely and i'm sure that you won't mind people sort of reaching out to you on, on linkedin and stuff obviously you've spoken at minor products and that sort of thing so yeah you know, you're very well connected in the, in the product world and you're very humble not to speak about that <laughs> sort of throughout so I'll, <laughs> I'll drop it in there as well um, oh thank you yeah. <laughs> there isn't really a sort of design into product meetup or group or something so it's definitely something I'm thinking about because I'm aware of quite a few designers who want to make this journey and there's maybe not the established clear path that there has been in the US so yeah it'd be great that maybe we have a little support group <laughs> absolutely well it's been a pleasure we'll catch Yay. up soon no doubt thank you thanks so much for having me Ben no problem thank you I'm Ben Molson that was Product Leaders a podcast series by Orbis if you've made it this far thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed 
Feel free to give the podcast a follow, a like, a comment, and of course, share with your own product community. Finally, I've launched a product community page, which will give you access to other content, such as roundtables, meetups, salary guides, market insights, and so on. If you want to see more of that, then please subscribe, and you'll find the link in the show notes.